I think that we have to take care of each other in terms of being healthy so we can serve our community. From Spa Dameron Tenney, it's the Prosperous Doc Podcast. Real stories, real inspiration, real growth. A show for doctors who are ready to improve their overall wellness in every aspect of life. Now here's your host, Shane Tenney. There is nothing like a global pandemic to open our eyes to aspects of life that previously were underappreciated. And as I've thought about some of the lessons that I've learned from COVID, you know, there's definitely a new understanding of what supply chain means. Uh, There's a greater appreciation for the teachers and the schools that care for our kids all day. And there's definitely a greater awareness of the disparity of healthcare and health information in our country. And that's what I want to talk about today, community health. My guest, Dr. Bina Nagapala, uh, began her medical education in India, completed her residency in the U.S., is board certified in family medicine, has a master's degree in public health, health management, health policy, and currently she's also the medical director of community health uh, in Detroit, Michigan, where there's over 22 school-based community health sites around the Detroit metro area, all of which serve the community and are part of Dr. Nagapala's vision for helping the folks around her. Um, Dr. Nagapala, welcome. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, let's start the conversation maybe just with defining some terms a little bit. Can you level set for us what is community health, what type of work does it encompass? So I work for a not-for-profit organization and uh, community health is what they also provide for our local community, which includes our parish nursing. And uh, we have school-based clinics. We have we run health fairs for the community. So we check blood pressure, blood, blood sugar, provide immunizations for the community, free, free immunizations for the community. So we try to serve the community that we we have our hospitals at the at the around. And when we talk about community health care and and kind of the whole public policy around that, we're we're really identifying the fact that there are segments of our country and our communities that receive unequal medical care or medical attention or medical information, either by virtue of their geography or their socioeconomic situation or things like that. Is that is, is that a fair understanding? Yes, I I, I agree. So some of these clinics, uh, the school-based clinics, or where are the people we serve belong to some of these communities where there is lack of care, lack of access to care. I would say in terms of uh, transportation, doctors in the communities they have to travel around uh, outside of their where they live to uh, access these types of services. So yes. There is a distinct level of care that's not that they lack. Mm-hmm. Now you're you're board certified in practice in family medicine. I guess maybe I'll call that your day job is seeing patients and families and things like that. Where in your kind of professional development did you begin to sense in yourself an interest or an appetite in kind of public health care and, and that sort of thing? So I, I think that during my MPH, I realized uh, the racial, uh, you know, the racial disparity in healthcare that's that's out there, and especially coming uh, from Detroit area, I see that when I when doing my rotations as such, have seen that during my rotations, 
And um, it, I always feel the need that to provide care uh, for the indigent. So I, I, when this opportunity opened up where I could um, uh, be the medical director for community health, where to serve the local community, I, I took upon it myself to apply for it. And I eventually got the job. Yes. And so you juggle this role in addition to your 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 day job yes. patients. Yes. So I'm a, yeah. yeah, I I'm a I'm in I'm a part-time family medicine doctor. I I work in a group practice. So there are seven of us. There are six physicians, one nurse practitioner. I have great colleagues. They are they are wonderful. And in terms of group practice, when I'm not there, there's someone always there to take care of my patients if needed. So in that way, they were very supportive of my other roles that I, uh, I'm involved in. So my, my group is extremely supportive for what I do. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't feel the need that I have to be in one place. So they, they, this allows me to do what I want to do for the community too. What does your role as, as medical director of community health, like what does that look like day to day? What are, are you so I, Are you dealing um, with schools? Right. What, what's the scope of things? So we have a lead of community health, uh, Ken Coleman, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, great. We are all our mission and vision is to serve the kids of Detroit area or Michigan, I would say, because we do have clinics out in clinic out in Kalamazoo and in Flint area. So it's not just the Detroit area. We do have a couple other clinics. So actually we have 27 clinics now we've expanded. So Ken Coleman is our lead. And we also have someone who's in charge of operations, but I, I'm the medical director. I supervise the nurse practitioners, uh, help with policy making for these clinics. If there is any clinical need that they need to run things by me in terms of a case, or if there is a need for uh, other thing, you know, if there is a, a tough case, or if they want to run anything by me, they call me. They we talk. So it's not set times as such. They can call me anytime, but I do make policies or at least develop some policies for the clinics. So a lot of the way that community health manifests in your area, it sounds like you've got clinics that are held throughout the community and throughout the year, but a large part of the mission is really being fulfilled through the school system. Is, yes. that, is that right? Yes. And has that been in place for a long time or is that a program that... No, it's been there for almost 20, yeah, more than 20 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But slowly we've expanded uh, with in terms of uh, you know grants provided by the state, the state funding, things like that. Uh, so we've expanded um, more so our behavioral health. We've expanded that tremendously in the last few years. Uh, but also, of course, clinical care has been expanded. Are the clinics in high schools or elementary or is there? So mostly high schools, but we do have a few middle schools and elementary schools. They are, the clinics are run by a nurse practitioner or a nurse. So, and then we have a behavioral health specialist and a medical assistant to help. So that's a model that we've developed. Most clinics run it through that model. And some clinics only have behavioral health. It depends on the funding provided or some clinics only have a nurse there. So again, it depends on the funding provided to that school or the need of the school too is also taken into consideration. So there's there's not only just a a nurse or even a mid level nurse practitioner. It sounds like you also have like behavioral health specialists, which of course is a has really come into light over the last couple of years with the pandemic and the different emotional issues that many of us have felt. I think being sequestered and social distancing and the stress of COVID and things like that. That it sounds like there's really a pretty good spectrum of care that's available to these children. Yes, yeah, certainly. Behavioral health has been. Uh... 
has been in the forefront right now to provide for these kids. Mental health is so important to all of us. So I, I feel like we provide good care for these uh, children. Is this program, you said it's been around almost two decades, I guess, or about that long, which it sounds like it's pretty tremendous and successful. Is there a, a lot of appetite to have clinics set up in schools or do you face so again, rolling them out or just a budgetary one? I think this, the, you have, the schools have to qualify to be eligible for these clinics. So they have to have a certain percentage of so, lower socioeconomic students and things like that in the school to be eligible for funding. And again, uh, they are very popular in terms, of, uh, in terms of providing care. So we have increased our numbers and we've expanded because I belong to this huge uh, Ascension Health uh, System. We've expanded to Kalamazoo, Flint area. So yes, we have. And there is possibility that we might be expanding to other, other places in Michigan. In terms of the care that's provided to the children, can you talk a little bit about just the logistics? I mean, since we have medical providers that listen to this podcast, what's the logistics of the approval since the parents aren't there? Do you have an EMR system? How are records related to either primary yes. care or hospital? That, that sort of thing. How's yes, of course. So at the beginning of the school year, a packet is sent to all parents, to all the kids with consents for our clinics. So the parents who want to use our clinics as a primary care source, I would say during the school year at least, uh, sign the consent and send it with the child. So the child is then seen in our clinic depending on the care they need. Our nurse practitioners pull up uh, immunization records. If there's a need for the child to get immunization record, they send for the child to come in and get it. So the child doesn't have to go elsewhere to get the immunizations or any other care if they have a sore throat. They come down, be evaluated, a strep is run. If it's just a viral infection that doesn't need much care, they're sent back to the class. Or if there's something that needs the parents to be called, parents are called. And uh, so things like that, immunizations such as tetanus, uh, measles, mumps, rubella, flu vaccines, uh, especially during the season that we are in right now, for we, we run flu clinics for the kids to come and get their vaccines. And... Is the is the program like affiliated with Ascension Health or another medical organization, or you maintain your own records and protocols internally? And so we do. We have an EMR, which is we are part of the health system. We are all employed by the health system, so we have the health system's EMR record, which uh, we can easily access. So if the nurse practitioner go, it goes from one clinic to another clinic for the need. If there is need, she goes to another clinic. Uh, she can access uh, that through the internet. Through COVID, we've seen all kinds of misinformation uh, spread across the country, not just in uh, not just in school systems and not just in communities difficult. Have you been able to successfully provide information to parents or to students about the pandemic or how to treat it or how to diagnose or be tested or those sorts of things? Yes. So when when the shutdown happened, the schools closed. And uh, for the most of last year, the schools went into virtual care. But our nurse practitioners were available by um, telehealth to help these parents if they had any questions about COVID or anything for that matter, if they had questions about uh, symptoms of COVID. And when the vaccinations came across, we were there to help the parents navigate through all the all the information that was out there about the vaccines or the side effects about the vaccines. 
So our nurse practitioners are very well educated in terms of information regarding COVID and what to provide for these parents. And even the vaccine clinics we have, the parents are more than welcome to come and ask questions. And we've we've had parents ask as a lot of questions, especially about the vaccines. And of course, COVID, you know, symptoms of COVID, we have information where to go get tested. And we are trying to provide testing in the clinic itself. So we've, uh, we actually have bought some machines so that we can run the testing in the in the clinics. And are you or will you be able to provide COVID vaccinations for students? Yes. Yeah. So we've so far we've had uh, COVID vaccine clinics where the first and the second shot are given out. But we plan on providing the vaccines in the clinics and hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Do you ever feel disorganized with your finances? Ever feel confused about the right strategy with your student loans? Do you wonder about retirement or how to determine if you have the right amount or type of insurance? The Prosperous Doc podcast is sponsored by Spa Dameron Tenney, one of the nation's premier financial planning groups for physicians and dentists. Their website is a host of information available to you for free. Information under their financial resources tab at sdtplanning.com. It includes information and guides for residents and fellows. There's instructions for understanding and tabulating your net worth. There's all kinds of information around retirement or improving the health of your medical or dental practice. In fact, if you'd like to speak with a real financial planner who has expertise in working with physicians and dentists around the country, there's even a link on there where you can request a real conversation at no cost to you. So check it out today, sdtplanning.com, and click on the section labeled Financial Resources. It'll be a great resource for you, and you can start giving clarity to your financial future today. You've been in this role for, I think, almost a decade, uh, you said? Yes, almost 10 years, yes. How do you measure the effectiveness of a program like this on the community at large? So again, uh, the state has its own mandates that we need to follow in terms of how many patients to see. They they have certain criteria that we need to meet to qualify for funding. So they want us to, of course, increase our the the outreach out there in terms of how many patients we touch and how many patients are seen or how many physicals. We run SDI clinics uh, in at these high schools. So there are certain certain metrics that we have to meet to be eligible for as a school based clinic. In terms of us, we also have certain metrics that we have to meet. We have chart audits and uh, certain things, our own quality metrics that we try to uh, implement that we can uh, succeed in. Is there a, a story that stands out to you or a patient that stands out in your mind just left you with the impression, this is why we're doing this? Every day. Every day, I feel like we serve the community at, at large, you know, whether it be simple. Whether it be a sore throat we take care of, if there's a sexually transmitted disease that we take care of, or if there's a child that who's pregnant that we take care of, you know, providing care for them. We've uh, at school sports physicals, we find things that have been missed, a murmur or here or there. So yes, of course. And more than anything that we've realized in the last one year is that these children have had no immunizations, no vaccines because of lack of care, because they couldn't access care. Um, not lack of care, access to care because of 
uh, the pandemic. So I think that providing immunizations to keep them healthy and they don't get sick is is a big part of our culture. Yeah, I'm struck by just the the structure, I guess, around it and your comment that for uh, folks that haven't lived through the struggle of access to healthcare, the beauty of a program like yours is you're not just providing capable care, but because it's integrated with the school system, the students have the access to it by virtue of the busing system or transportation or things like that. They can get there and, yes. and be there and then yes. see and get help for what so, they need. Right. And some of our clinics, especially our high school clinics, have an outside door. There are some nurse practitioners who can see up to 26 years of age. But if there are some kids who from another school who need to come in, can come in through those doors and be seen in the clinics. Speaking of parents, what is the response or the communication protocol back to a child's parents? So there is um, you know, an encounter that's printed out and given to the child. If the parent wants more information, there is always uh, the nurse practitioners who are available to answer their questions through the school day. So again, the communication, it depends on what, how much they want, what they want. There's always communication with the parent. You serve on the Academy of Family Practice Physicians there in Michigan. What do you see as kind of the future of community health or where are the, where are the winds blowing in this area now as we, you know? I think more public again? health. I think that um, I, I, the last one year has realized how, my, how important public health is to our communities. I think that we have to take care of each other in terms of being healthy so we can, be, we can serve our community or being healthy, taking care of us so that my neighbor can be healthy, you know? So I think that's the biggest role that we've, I've seen in the last one year is that it is caring for your next door neighbor or your next friend, your uh, relative, whoever it is, Public health, is, it encompasses all of that, you know. I think um, that is going to be a big change in how we see things in the near future, especially regarding infectious diseases. And also all the policies that are going to be made will, will focus on public health in, in the near future. That's, I think that's what we realize. Say a little bit more about that. When you talk about policies that are going to be uh, mindful of or focused on public health, what comes to mind? What do you see? It can be anything. It can be your uh, e-cigarettes, your, you know, the vaping that's that's happening, that there are bills in the, in the House or the Senate that go by regarding that. They can be uh, in terms of vaccines, in terms of scope of practice. There are so many things that come about that we, our academy is involved with. Mm -hmm. There are folks that listen to our podcast that have chosen or committed to the field of medicine and are still in training, maybe in medical school, uh, maybe in rotations of residency, and, and thinking about what specialty they want to choose, what field of medicine. Uh, you have chosen our passion about family medicine. Uh, say a little bit about you know this field to somebody who might be listening, thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should family medicine or cardiology or whatever? I say go where your passion is, but I, you know, I love what I do. Um, I've been a family medicine doctor for over uh, almost 20 years now. And I, I truly love what I do. I see kids, I see their parents, I see their grandparents. I love the variety. I do a lot of procedures in the office. I feel like that this gives me satisfaction in knowing the whole 
family and I know the family history so I can focus on that when the, a child comes in. Okay, I know the parents' history. I know that family dynamic that happens in the household, so which plays a uh, role in the child or the adult's uh, mental well-being. So I, I feel that I can make a difference in their lives, uh, you know, however small I can make. But I truly enjoy what I do. I know there's a lot of administrative burdens that we we have as doctors with all our paperwork, our charting, which is never ending. But I, I think it's these small day-to-day interactions where uh, which I have with my patients and these minor chains can make a big difference in their lives, you know, uh, talk, uh, whatever it might be. So it, it could be just uh, listening to them talk about their uh, anxiety regarding whatever may, go being, may be going on in their lives, uh, or it could be taking care of their diabetes, hypertension, removing a, a lesion that has been bothering them with them, you know? So it can be anything that, that's going on that makes a big impact. Excellent. Well, Dr. Nagapala, thanks for what you are doing, not only for your patients, but for the community all around you and the difference you're making in their lives. Thank you. This episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast is over, but you're not alone on your journey. Spa Dameron Tenney has been helping physicians and dentists prosper through financial planning for over 60 years. To connect with us, visit sdtplanning.com today and take your financial wellness to new levels. Join us on the next episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast.